Tonight on the Michelle Mission, on the road to 300, Vincent and I are reviewing Rosewood from 1997, the John Singleton film starring Ving Rhames and John Voight about the historic Rosewood massacre of the early part of the 20th century. But before we get into our review, we listen to some listener mail. We don't listen to it. We actually share it with you, including a story from one of the missionaries about a video store and some darky movies. We also then get into a little bit of chatter about Bel Air, the Fresh Prince of Bel Air reboot that is premiered on Peacock. Vincent gives us his uh, interpretation and his thoughts on that show. And we also play six degrees of Dervell Martin from Dervell to Sophia Loren, Elizabeth Taylor, and Robert Mitchum. And we have some pretty historic results. All of that is ahead for you on tonight's edition of the Michelle Mission. Welcome to the Michelle Mission Two Men One Podcast. Every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I am joined as always by my partner. Hey, what's up? Highlight your boy. This is Len, aka the Bat Tribble. And as we continue our onward march towards 300, mm-hmm. tonight we will spend time with late director John Singleton's fourth film, mm-hmm. 1997's Rosewood, based, and we will talk about how loosely or non-loosely based, on the real world Rosewood Massacre. Mm-hmm. But before we get to Rosewood, what's going on, Lynn? Nothing's going on, but let's find out what's going on with all of you out there in missionary land, ladies and gentlemen, as we are streaming live via StreamYard to Facebook, YouTube, as well as on to Twitch. Hello, each and every one of you missionaries and all of you out there in the chat as we are doing this live. All the way live. Um, It's interesting that upon choosing this film, because, uh, you know, this is my selection and it was a film that I chose one because it's a black film and two, because it's only through the exercise of the Michelle mission that I am even watching this movie because this movie is like, like hits me very deep in my feels. Um, and it's cool to, well, not like cool, but it's a little interesting to see especially out here in the chat, that there's more than a few of the missionaries who also felt the same way okay. upon um, seeing this film. Uh, I I speak of um, Deborah Battle, who mentions that she didn't see this movie until 2008, and I, wasn't, I just wasn't ready to deal with the outcome of the movie. This is one of those movies that you only watch one time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robert Monroe Jr., said that he saw Rosewood in the theaters. Usually he's one of the few people left at the end of the closing credits with Rosewood. The entire theater sat until the lights came on in stunned silence. As we left the theater, black folks look angry and white folks look like they just wanted to get out of the building in one piece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which which pretty much is a good summation of how I felt 
It's it's it. The look, first time watching this movie. Look, it's a good thing that we're here to talk about it. Yes, <laughs> yes. But before we get into that, um, we get into all of the thoughts and concerns and feedback that we get from each and every one of you. And we like to call this little segment of the show Listener Mail. Hey, missives from the missionaries. And we actually got a Facebook message mm-hmm. from one Robert Monroe Jr. Hey, Robert. In response to um, last week's Six Degrees of Dervell Martin, okay, where you... I must say, very, very impressively, yeah, yeah, yeah. went in less than six films mm. to get from Dervell Martin to Shirley Temple. Yes, yes, Amazing Grace is my secret weapon. Which uh, prompted Robert mm-hmm. to ask, hey, have I told you my Shirley Temple darky movies story <laughs> from when I managed the foreign film section of a video store in uh, New York City's Upper West Side. Well, <laughs> upon hearing that he had not regaled us with said tale, Robert begins. Okay. As I said, I was managing the foreign film section of a video store in the Upper West Side while living in New Jersey. One morning, I went into the city early to see Do the Right Thing before work. Mm -hmm. As you can imagine, I was not in the mood for white people nonsense after seeing that movie. Sure, sure. So I get to work, and the first call I get is from a woman asking for Shirley Temple movies. Okay. I went through our available inventory, and she had already rented them all. And the other movies we had were being rented at the time. That's when the white people nonsense began. Mm. She asked if we had any other darky movies. Darky movies. Excuse me, I said. Do you have any other darker mo- darky movies, she said. I could hear the smile in her voice. What exactly is a darky movie? Yes. I yes. quizzed. You know... Those movies where they have black people acting like darkies. I like to show them to my daughter. At that point, I had had my fill of white people nonsense for the day. So I retorted, you probably can't tell from my voice, but I'm African-American. And what you said was very offensive. I watched Do the Right Thing earlier today, and you should probably watch the movie because you obviously don't know what the right thing is. Mm. I'll have one of our guys deliver a Shirley Temple darkie movie to you. And then I hung up the phone. I sent off our delivery guy, and he returned with the movie. The woman didn't want it. Pause. I didn't know the video stores had delivery men. Hey, they're in New York. Okay, that's real fancy in New York. Yeah, yeah. So that's some New York nonsense. New York nonsense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fancy New York nonsense. Yeah. He continues. Then she said, then she had the audacity Mm. to call me back with more white people nonsense, telling me that she didn't say darky movie. I was born in this country. My English is impeccable. I'm college educated and there's nothing wrong with my hearing. I know what you said. She said, well, I didn't go to college. That's not my problem. I'm a man and I have to get an education. I can't get on my knees and get a rich man to take care of me. I said, Robert Monroe is very easily triggered. I I see. This This is going left. There was silence on the line. My manager was looking at me with a what the 
F expression on his face. Is there anything else I could do for you or are we done? I said. She started to babble something and I hung up on her. I hit her with the rich man comment because our husband was a movie producer. I think the last name was uh, oh, <laughs> Trying to get a suit? What? What? He, he, he's not, he doesn't say. He, he said he thinks the last name was. Okay. He thinks he thinks he knows what the last name okay. was. <laughs> but you know, we don't know whether or not that was accurate. So we, we won't repeat yes. that last name. Um that's quite a tale. That is that is quite the tale. Now, giving the woman the benefit of a doubt, I'm trying to think what she could have possibly said that sounded like darky. But Why would you give her the benefit of the doubt? You know what? Now that I just think about that was, it. What are you doing right now? No, 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 no. Don't gaslight yourself. I can't give her the benefit of a doubt because she explained what she meant by the movie. Right. If she hadn't explained what she meant by the movie, then maybe you give it a benefit. The of world it. does enough gaslighting where we think they couldn't possibly have said it. Like, don't do it to yourself. <laughs> she said darky movie and she wanted to share it. Yeah. Right. I mean, look. There's nothing about that that surprises me. That's wild. That is a very wild story, Robert. Thanks yeah, look, that. man. Robert Townsend has a has an old bit where he talks about being a, a movie aficionado. He likes old movies mm-hmm. like you do. But he talks about it, it's, it's that weird space that you have to be in as a black person when you like old movies. And frankly, it's a little overlap in the nerd spaces, too. Mm-hmm. Where you almost don't want black people in it, yeah. Like I'd rather just just don't have just don't even have any black people in it, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that I can go ahead and enjoy it without it completely throwing me out, right, of the experience completely. You know what a movie? I mean, there's tons of movies like that, but there's a movie. I don't know if you ever saw A Face in the Crowd with Andy Griffith. I keep meaning to watch it. You know who was talking about that? Omar Dorsey. It's a great movie. When we were together, he was talking about that. And I said, I need to watch that. But go ahead. A fantastic movie. Yeah. Especially if you love the media. It's a fantastic movie. Right, right, right. Because it's like Andy Griffith playing against type. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. Big time. Well, no, he actually plays Andy Griffith, but But, then it's realized a different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, and it's a great film, and I've seen it a number of times. Yeah, yeah. But maybe the next to the most recent time that I watched it, I don't know, for some reason, I noticed something that just totally, like, now I can't not see it, and Mm -hmm. it bothers me. Because there's a moment where I I think, like, this sheriff, who's not Andy Griffith, Mm -hmm. is talking to this woman, and... Uh, she's there to get Andy Griffith out of out of out of jail. Mm-hmm. The, the, his character, Lonesome Dove, out of car- out of jail, and the the sheriff is talking to her, and it's a very innocuous conversation. But I, the most recent time I watched it, I noticed while he's doing that, he's having shoes shined mm. by a black guy. Okay, and then when he gets up 
to walk over to the the cell with the lady, mm-hmm. he kind of like pets the black guy. Oh, that's the exact type of detail too that throws you out. It just took yeah. me like like yeah. Oh yeah. I'm like oh man, why why man? You know what mine is? You what? know what mine is? I think Richard Donner Superman. Oh, okay. It's almost like the platonic ideal. Oh, I know where you're going. You oh, you know exactly this. what I'm about to go. <laughs> Dwayne McDuffie actually used to talk about this too. Mm-hmm. There's a moment, and I, I don't know if it's the first time Clark Kent changes into Superman or or it's one of the times that he changes into Superman. And it really is, it has that, you know, it has like that serial feel to it mm-hmm. and it's kind of updated and it's very smart. And I love the act. I love all the performances, but there's one moment where Clark Kent changes into Superman and they went to central casting (laughs) and got the most stereotypical black guy Mm -hmm. that only exists in the minds of white people who don't know any black people. And he goes, whoa, Jack, (laughs) yo, sure is some cool threads out of sight. Yes. It has nothing to do with the movie. Nope. Has nothing to do with the plot. No. Nope. It's 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 like what 30 seconds he's in the movie. Mm-hmm. But every time I watch Superman, I I, I almost I'm counting down to that moment. Mm-hmm. And like I want the moment to come so it can be over so I can watch the rest of the movie. And to be fair, it got a huge laugh. I mean when first run, but you sure. just it, you just like yeah. 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 It, it's, I've always hated that moment, though. It's definitely, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, old movies. Old movies are are, are tricky. Old movies are tricky. I know, man. Old movies are tricky. I, I know, it's, man. Like it's like I said, it's like mm. just, just, just leave us out of. Just them. leave us. Just leave us out of them completely. I know. Oh. Let me just watch the movie. And not had to deal with this. Yeah, yeah, y'all yeah. just on another world, right? It's, it's, it's right. a white world, right? Right. You know what I mean, which is fine with me. Which is look, fine. Hey, look, which is fine. Yeah, which is fine. It, it, absolutely freaking fine. Yeah. Turning to other news, uh, going into our Facebook group where uh, our missionaries lo- love to give us updates on, on the goings on in Black Hollywood. Mm-hmm. You were talking about this, Vince. It's a story from Deadline Hollywood. That um, Ernie Hudson, yes, most famously, uh, and, and I would say his role in Ghostbusters is probably his most famous. I mean, I'd go with Penitentiary too, but that's me. Yeah, that's you. Yeah, that's, that's me. You. I I don't even think he would go Penitentiary <laughs> too. I would say as he, a rainbow afro wig. His most his, his, his <laughs> famous role is is um as um. In Ghostbusters, right, right. Also, Penitentiary too. But he, it, well, we'll agree. To well, now he's got another notch we'll on his disagree. belt. Yeah. Got another notch on okay. his belt. That maybe this an argument will say <laughs> where this lands between <laughs> Ghostbusters and Penitentiary too. Yeah. As uh, Ernie Hudson has been cast as Herbert Magic Williams, a Vietnam veteran and head of the time travel project at Quantum Leap, essentially playing. The role that Dan Stockwell, yeah, played, yeah, in the in the new reboot of Quantum Leap, that and and that is the most I've been interested in Quantum Leap, in the, the reboot, reboot, the reboot, because the reboot. you're a fan yeah. of the series. I am a fan, and you know what I just thought about too. Speaking of these movies from the '70s and '80s and genre movies, and 
people of color. Mm -hmm. And Ernie Hudson playing a Vietnam vet Mm -hmm. is actually kind of an interesting thing because I don't know if you know, like, like what's your Ghostbuster knowledge? Like you, I'm pretty good. Right. So, you know, Eddie Murphy was originally supposed to play that. And that character was super well developed mm-hmm. in the first couple of drafts of the script. Big time. And he was this military dude and he had this background and and then it it you know eventually got cut to the foolishness that it ended up being where he answers an ad in the paper. Pretty much because it, Eddie Murphy didn't sign right, on. Right. Right. So I like this Ernie Hudson now is is playing this this military strategist and guys it's almost like an answer to what happened with Ghostbusters. Although from what I understand, the um the last Ghostbusters movie kind of rehabilitated his character too. The the one the, that the was kids? just out this summer. Yeah. I didn't even I, I didn't even see that. I haven't one. seen it, but from what I understand, his character really kind of comes into himself. Oh, that's good. In a way that you know, didn't come across in the movies. Well, that, 30 years later. 30 years later? To be fair though, even though his character wasn't like that much more developed backstory wise he was more integral in the world of the ghostbusters in the animated series right but you know i know it's not the same i was about to say but to be honest by myself i liked well i actually tried watching the the animated series and while i got through a lot of it it doesn't hold up a little man it doesn't hold up anyway anyway we're not going to go down that rabbit hole. From one casting um, news to another. Yes. Uh, Vincent, have you seen that Hollywood, this is a story from Variety. Mm-hmm. Hollywood is planning a Oscar and me show biopic. Yes. Is this the, is this the Tyler Perry story? And Tyler Perry as it will yeah. be playing the pioneering filmmaker in this HBO biopic that is uh, being developed by Craig Zayden and Neil Marin. Um, and Perry will also be an executive producer, but he will not direct. This story has, is like a year old, though. Like, yeah, I feel like I remember when it first broke and then it's been circulating again. I wonder whether or not it, yeah, because it, uh, yeah, it, it, it's got some age on it, but I wonder whether or not it's like now with HBO Max becoming bigger, sure, bigger concern, sure, they're going to do something with it, you know. So, I, I have to say, in reading this story, and we probably have read this story before, mm-hmm. I mean, we've been around for a minute, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I said it before, I'm not a fan of Tyler Perry's films, no. And for the most part, I'm not necessarily a fan of Tyler Perry's acting in his films. I was about to say he hasn't done much acting outside of his films, but but when I have seen him, does much acting in his films, frankly. True, true. But when I have seen him outside of his films being directed by someone else, Mm -hmm. I mean, he ain't Denzel, no. But he doesn't embarrass himself. What have you seen him in? Um, he was in. like he was in three minutes in that Star Trek movie. He was in a Star Trek movie. He was in oh that Alex Cross movie. Right, right. I, okay. Did you see that? I did. I, I, I like. I caught like a good chunk of it. Okay, I do remember. Like that. I, I didn't enjoy the movie, but like I said, he wasn't embarrassing himself. Right, right. And then he, I've seen him in something else. 
um, where he, oh, that's right. He wasn't in, in somebody, thank you, uh, Sharon Eldridge. He was in Don't Look Up. Okay. And he's not bad in Don't Look Up. Okay. You know, yeah, yeah actually, he's actually pretty good in Don't, don't look, look Up. Man. So when he, I've seen him be directed. Yeah. And actually be okay. So uh, I'll be curious to see how he, he comes off, pulls this off. Right, if, right. if this ever comes to right, fruition. Right. Right. Look, sure. <laughs> okay. Sure. Why not? All right. <laughs> why not? All right. It's stunt casting, but if it gets more people to see the story of Oscar Michelle, I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. True that. Um, speaking of HBO Max, yes. HBO Max has been had big time. A lot of people have been talking about a new show that has premiered on HBO Max in the I think over the last couple of weeks. Um, that I have not had an opportunity to check out, but you have, Vincent. Oh, um, so let me get your read on what do you have to say about Bel Air? Oh, well, first of all, Bel Air is on the. Oh, is it on Peacock? It's I'm on sorry. Peacock Plus. Well, that's why I haven't found that's it on HBO you, Max. Yeah, yeah. Well, we actually <laughs> we actually had a bit of a um Mexican standoff in my house. Really? Yeah, because Camille wanted to watch it, and we said not getting peacock and she said well i want to watch it. i said well you know what you can get it like you you get the subscription to peacock and did she get the subscription she got it i she mean she got her own money i mean look she don't have no overhead <laughs> whoa whoa before you like you know i'm just she's saying in, she's in high school she's in high school i'm just saying she has her baking business people give her money but she has no bills and no anything <laughs> she's in high school she's not right bills. right i was telling her my boy, she walk around the house. She big money grip with the swivel hip. <laughs> okay, so it's on Peacock Plus. It's on Peacock which Plus. Which means that I probably will never see which it. Which means, you, yes, and I'm... It is not bad. Really? That, now, it is not bad at all. Now, for those who don't know... It is the reimagining of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Right. So, but Sir, it's... It, it's a drama. It, it's a drama. They take it so Will gets into this fight same names okay it's not one i mean he describes it as one little fight mm -hmm. and his mom got scared the fight ain't that little mm. and his mother should have been scared oh okay like her sending him to the west coast to get him out of uh, west philly mm -hmm. it makes perfect sense okay and then it's it's it he's it's he's living with the family mm. And it is really interesting. The cast is great. Okay. The okay. cast is great. Um, it's it's um, the secret weapon. Okay. Quietly, is G. G. The the butler. Remember the butler? Oh, that's right. 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 Yeah. He's 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 not just the butler anymore. Is he like Alfred? He's like special forces. That's that is one hundred percent what he. He's Are you the, no? I I was I was joking. I I know he's he is described as the house manager. Oh my god! But he really. I mean, you think about it. They're rich. They're rich. Uncle, like they got their money because Uncle Phil was. Uh, um, it sounds like he was a civil rights attorney. Mm -hmm. But like you know, all the big settlements and all, he is he is very very successful. But the implication, you know. He, He's rich. He has enemies. He has such a, and and G is his house manager. Oh my god! Who kind of takes care of things? So he's the fixer. He look. 
Oh my goodness. Look. Oh my goodness. He is very much the secret weapon of Bel Air. Oh my God. Like you realize the show you <laughs> the show you want and Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil is look. Look at the cast. It's I'm a, looking, I'm looking at the cast. Um yeah, Uncle Phil Uncle, ain't Uncle Will Phil is played by Jabari Banks. Who's great. Um he's a great little actor. Yeah. He really is. Philip F- Uncle Phil is played by Adrian Holmes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. Um, and and G Jeffrey Jeff oh, Jeff. is is played by Jimmy uh Akimbula. Oh Akim, yeah, oh yeah, Akimbula. Jeffrey is not a game. Yes, the house manager. Oh yeah, Jeff and Jeffrey is managing the house. Originally from Jamaica, before moving to London as a child. Yes. Uh, the cast is rounded out by Aunt Viv is played by Cassandra Freeman. Yes, yes, she, yes, Lord. Carlton is played by Ali. Sholandon. Yeah. Hillary yeah. is played by Coco Jones. Who's a good little actress, too. Apparently, she uh is is one of she's from the, the Disney crop. Okay. Yeah, my daughter talks about her, but but yeah, she's a good little actress, too. Uh Akira Akbar plays Ashley. Yeah. Simone Joy Jones plays Lisa Welts, a mm-hmm. potential love interest. Oh, yeah. Will and that's, Carlton's ex. Hey, I'm about to say, hey Lynn, that's that's the role that Nia Long played. <laughs> Oh, let's see if she holds up. Uh, and then there's Jordan L. Jones as Jazz. Yeah, who's he's pretty. He's a good little actor too. It's a great little cast. It really is. And I'm not gonna go so far as to say it's worth getting the Peacock. Okay, just for Bel Air. But it's 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 a it's it, it is surprisingly entertaining. Really, like like we kind of watched it with Camille, and then we're we're like all in. Okay. And then, like I said, it is, it is, well, you know, it's also kind of, you know, it's weird getting older where you realize like the, like when you were growing up, you identified with the kids. And now you're identifying with my bed. Like there's a scene where like (laughs) Uncle Phil and Jeffrey were chilling in the study, Mm -hmm. drinking bourbon and listening to a tribe called Quest. (laughs) So they were in the Vince Lamb. Right. It was like. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, talking about them damn kids. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. See, and and that's not a knock on it at all. Because I I appreciate that it's probably going to be good. Will Smith does good stuff. Yeah. Right? Oh he, yeah. He's the producers behind. And this. you know, this is his legacy. Most definitely. So I mean, you yeah. Know he, you know, he's not going to play with it. Um. But but the thing that's kept keeping me a little bit at arm's length is honestly just the realization that I don't think it's necessarily supposed to be for me. Right. Like, I think it's supposed right. to be for Camille. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know? Although, like I said, maybe I'm biased, but the, the Aunt Viv, Uncle Phil, Jeffrey characters, mm-hmm. you'll fool around and they'll steal the show. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking like, here. Like, they're very interesting. I'm looking here in the chat. Yeah. And everybody is, is shouting out uh, Cassie Freeman. She's a, a pot. She's a podcast fave. Mm-hmm. Farrell Blackwell loves the Fresh Prince show. Carlton is a standout, but at times it seems like the lead actor is at times doing a Will Smith impersonation. Miss mm-hmm. McKeeba says Jeffrey is a triple OG. Well, if Miss McKeeba said it. Yeah, Jeff, Jeff, Jeffrey ain't no game. <laughs> Jeffrey ain't no game. What I came away from the show realizing is that I want a house manager. Get a house manager. I always said that if, like, I got super rich, that's the first thing I'd get is a cat's paw. You'd buy a cat's paw? No, no, no. That's that's the that's the that's the old name for that. 
Is it really? A cat's paw. It, mm-hmm. Wait a minute. That's the old name for a house manager? That is the, I don't know if it's medieval, but yeah, it's a cat's paw. Like your, like your, your, your fix it guy. Wow. I mm-hmm. never knew that. Yep. Cat's I paw. I knew that. You are a different kind of brother. Yep. I always said <laughs> if I got like rich, the first thing I'd want is a cat's paw. Well, first of all, you need to be rich because only the rich know, know what that a cat's, a cat's paw. paw yeah. Is. Yeah. Like a guy, like I want a guy. Who kind of takes care of things? Mm. Uh, well, well, let Barnett says uh, Jeffrey is very easy on the eyes as well. I mean, it's a good looking cast. Okay, it's a good looking cast. Like again, I'm not ready to say, "Oh, go get the peacock for the." Like I don't know if this is the killer app mm-hmm. for the peacock, but it's it's it is surprising. I was surprised by how good it is. Yeah, well, so. You know, maybe. And it's very respectful because I think what you were getting to is the, the casting news mm-hmm. of. um Oh, that. um Oh, I. I Daphne. Daphne. And, Maxwell Reed. And. um Oh, I, I, I just had it. Hold on. Where's my phone? I just had it. They, they are going to. Now, right. I they're, think they're going to be on the show in guest spots. I'm about to say because I don't, I don't right. think they're they're I don't believe they're joining the show. No. Right. So second Wait, aunt Viv, right, and, and the actress who played Will's mother. Mother, hold on. I, I'm I'm getting to it. I'm scrolling to it. This I say this will be cut out. It won't be cut out. No. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Here we go. Um, Bel Air to host the original. Uh, Daphne Maxwell Reed mm-hmm. and Vernie Watson Johnson. Yes, yes, are going to have guest spots. Who respectively co-starred as Aunt Viv and Viola Vi Smith on the original mm-hmm. will guest star on Peacock's dramatic reimagining of the uh, the of the series. They they will both appear in episode nine, mm-hmm. which is the penultimate. Yes, episode. Yes, so for yes. season one. Is this another one of those series that comes out every week? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, every week. All right, you know, I've got like eighteen hundred emails. Maybe I'll get a free trial. I know and check it out. Yeah, I, 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 yeah. I will do that. All right. Oh, oh, isn't this so nice? Miss Makiba says I will send you my oh, Peacock password you. so you can watch. I don't it. know if you need to be saying that all out loud and stuff. You don't, and I, well, I just wanted let, <laughs> unless you know, because the bots might have locked on right, that already. Right, so I right, just want right. to say, Miss Makiba, thank you. Yes, I yes. appreciate that, but no, I will, I will get a uh, yeah, get but, but certainly my way into that. Peacock, mm-hmm. and I will check it out. Yeah, I will report back. Okay, okay, all right. All right, Vince. It's time. Oh, is it time? It's 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 time. Oh, hello. I didn't see you sitting there. No, oh, shut up. It's time for us to All right. get into the six degrees of Durbar Martin. But before we do that, but before we do that, we got a little bit of business that I need to tell let people know. A little special announcement to let let each and every one of our missionaries know that not next week, but the week after next. Mm-hmm. Um, on the Michelle mission, we got a very, very special show planned for you. As Vincent and I sit down to review the long requested, uh, sexual fantasy, if you will, that is sexual extravaganza. That is toi, toi from the year 2000. 
and we're not going to sit down <laughs> by ourselves. I can't believe we're going to walk. <laughs> We're going to have very special guests, Daryl Charles and Tim Marie of the DTF Fun Hour, which I guarantee, ladies and gentlemen, is the funnest sex podcast you will ever hear. The DTF Fun Hour, available where all good podcasts are. We're going to do that show, but it's going to be on a special night. Oh, it'll be on Monday, March 21st. So mark your calendars. Yes. Yes, everybody knows. It all goes down on Monday. It Mondays. all goes down on Monday. <laughs> the sexiest of nights. So So Monday. I don't know how we're going to get through the episode. <laughs> Cuz I think I'm just going to be laughing the whole time. We can't get through the ad. We can't even get through <laughs> the, the ad. Monday, March 21st, regular time, 7 p.m., but Monday. You and her simultaneous loving, baby. Oh, my God. Twa. (laughs) Whose hand is that on my butt? Oh, God. Oh, God. All right. Oh, boy. So, yes, again, special night, Monday, March 21st. The Men of Me Show welcome Daryl Charles and Tim Marie of the DTF Fun Hour, the funnest sex show in the world, to review Twa from the year 2000. So, um, mark your calendars uh, so that you, you do not miss that episode of the Me Show Mission. And also, feel free when you're, ta- you're, you're, you're you know, thanking us for doing all this special work and having special nights, why don't you leave it? Thank us via a voicemail. Give us a call <laughs> at 215-867-9666 and tell Vincent and Len what's on your mind. We will be playing these voicemails soon on our episodes as we make our way to our triumphant and historic episode 300 of the Michaud Mission. All right. All right. All right. All right, Vincent, you're ready for Six Degrees of Durville Martin. I am ready. In six movies or less. Six movies or less get from the thespian Durville Martin to John Wayne. Didn't we do John Wayne? We we actually did John Wayne. Did we do John Wayne? We actually did John Wayne. I didn't remember that we yeah, did. Yeah, because um Oh, Scatman Crothers. All right, never mind. John Wayne. The, yeah. Then get from, because I'm, I'm ready. All right. From Derville Martin. Derville Martin. Two. Two. Sophia Loren. Sophia Loren. Interesting. Hmm. Okay. Sophia Loren. Mm-hmm. Okay. Question. Okay. Is Sophia Loren in Grumpier Old Men? Uh, yes. That's the second one, right? Yes. Yes. Derville Martin is in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Sidney Portier. Sidney Portier is in The Defiant Ones with Tony Curtis. Mm-hmm. Tony Curtis is in Some Like It Hot. With um, I'm not telling you. Is it Walter Matthau? I'm not telling you. 
Is it Walter Matthau? It's Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau is in Grumpier Old Men with Sophia Loren. Are you standing? Is that your final answer? Yeah. Ah, uh, then you are wrong. Tony Curtis is in Some Like It Hot with Jack Lemon. Jack Lemon. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're right. I know. I'm yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. And then Jack Lemon is in Grumpier Old Men with yes. Sophia Loren. Yes. There you go. Yes. But you were wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mixed up Walter Lim, Walter, Walter Matthau with Jack Lemon. Yes, I did. That is true. Right. Which means that you were wrong. <laughs> which means, which means I was yes, yes, yes. Which means that you lost. <laughs> okay, I lost. There you go. I did mix up Jack. <laughs> you want to go ahead and revel in? <laughs> Well, we don't need to play this game anymore. <laughs> this has been fun. You going to drop a banner that says mission accomplished? <laughs> if I could make that gift real quick, I would throw that up here. Oh, God. Oh, God. The second you said, bro, old man, I knew where you were going. I was like, oh, fuck. I hate you. You got another one? I so now I'm I'm trying to come up with one. All right, all right. All right uh, uh, okay. Um, no. Um. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. Get from. <laughs> No, uh, they're like old white guys, though. So, and, and they like old white guys. I mixed them up. Jack Lemon, Walter Matthau. They look nothing alike. I, yeah, yeah, but they don't. But aren't they really kind of the same guy? No, they're not. Even though I love them both, aren't they kind? of I love the same them both guy? equally. They're not. The Could same Walter guy. Matthau have been in some like it hot and grumpier old men? I don't like think the parallel universe where he's in those roles. Does the film do the films change at all? Do you really want to see? Walter Matthau dressed up like a woman. I mean, I didn't want to see Jack Lemon dress up like a woman. He, and, he looked a lot better than Walter Matthau I mean, would look. And a young Walter Matthau may have been quite fetching in uh, a dress. No, he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't fetching in a suit. So he wasn't <laughs> fetching in a dress. Right. All right. So get from six degrees of Dovo Martin to this is I just came up with this real quick. So you're All right. gonna knock this out the box. I know. All right. Elizabeth Taylor. Oh, Elizabeth Taylor. <sighs> Trying to think of somebody who haven't seen black people in our movies. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the problem. I don't like like Oh, you don't know a lot of her movies? Right. So she's in Cleopatra. <laughs> she's in um What's the Tennessee Williams play? Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Right, she's in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Um, is Paul Newman in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof? Is that is that Paul Newman? This is not fair. I'm, <laughs> you're asking me these questions because I know where you're going now. It I know is, exactly where you're going. I know Paul Newman is in one of those Tennessee Williams. Yes, he's in movies. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Oh, okay. What are you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> sure. 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 Go ahead. 
<laughs> it's not fair. How's that not because fair? you're asking me? You shouldn't. You look, I but I I didn't say who's in Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. No, but you like I like I knew she was in the Tennessee Williams movie. No, you you didn't ask me. Is you asked me? I, is Pat is, is no, Paul Newman? No. In, I said, I said, you replay it. I said, I don't really know what Elizabeth Taylor is in. So then I sat and I tried to, like, I only really know Cleopatra. Mm -hmm. And then I knew she was in one of the Tennessee Williams. And you asked me which movie it was. And I said, Cat in a Hot Tin Roof. And you said, is that Paul Newman? Here's the thing. The only Tennessee Williams movies I know are Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Streetcar Named Desire. Mm-hmm. That's the only two I know. I think those are the only two I know. So the only thing I was really asking was, is that cat on a hot cat on a hot tin roof or like the glass menagerie? No, no, no. That's not the only thing you were asking. Because after you asked me that, I and said, I said No, no, no. Ca- no, no listen. When you said she's in cat on a hot tin roof, mm-hmm. which then made me think, because Tennessee Williams always has the the quote unquote very sensitive young man in his plays, which is who, who are barely coded as gay. Mm. And I knew pretty ass Paul Newman mm. played one of those roles. The only, like I said, the only Tennessee Williams movie that I, that I know is Streetcar Named Desire. And the other one, like my real question was, is it Cat on a Hot Tin Roof or is it The Glass Menagerie? No, that's not you. you, you like, I really to... needed the title. No, no, But no, I no. knew Paul Newman was in it. No, 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 no. If you knew that, you wouldn't have then asked me, which is what you asked I, me. I'm just trying to have Paul com- Newman. I'm trying to have conversation. <laughs> I knew it was Paul Newman. I just told you how I knew it was Paul Newman. Short, short. After the fact, you can fill that in. It's either Paul Newman or Marlon Brando. Marlon Brando is in Streetcar Named Desire. Mm. So I knew Mm. it was Paul Newman. Mm. I'm coming up with another name. Who is in Sneakers with Sidney Poitier. Who is in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner with Derville Marlin. That's your final answer. Yes. You're wrong. Paul Newman is not in sneakers. Yes, Paul Newman. Yes, yes. Now that's Robert Redford. That's Robert Redford. Yes. Where I thought you were going was Paul Newman was in Paris Blue. Yeah. With Sidney Poitier. Well, you'd have got me all worked up. <laughs> obviously, I know he's in Paris Blues. Why do I obviously know it? Because that's not what you said. Because I love Paris Blues. And I won yes, again. Yes, 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 yes. There you go. Yes. There you go. It is a version of me trying to. Take the free throw when you're behind doing the doing the streamers. Yeah, there you go. Very nice. I won. Do I get points for making a sports analogy? Hell no. No, you don't get no points. Just sit there and you're lose. All right, pick a third one. Oh now, oh now, oh, oh now you want a third one. Oh, you ain't gotta pick no third one. I'll pick a third one. I, I got a third one for you. Yes. I got a third one for you. We'll, and we'll do we'll do white guy. Yeah. <laughs> You stay away from the blacks. So I'm gonna stay away from the black. Hell, yeah, we'll do that. <laughs> Durville been in everybody's kitchen. <laughs> Get from Durville Martin oh, to Robert Mitchum. <laughs> I know it. 
Yeah, I don't know if I can do that because all I really know of Robert Mitchum is Cape Fear. Like, I know Robert Mitchum is always in a whole bunch of stuff. But the only one I can really pull is Cape Fear. And I don't even know who else is in Cape Fear. With him? Yeah. Gregory Peck. Yeah, I can't do nothing with Gregory Peck. Like, I think that now this is a legitimate win. It is a legitimate win. I'm trying to think, can I get there? Can I get from Gregory Peck or Robert Mitchum? Because the easiest way is to easily get to Ozzy, Brock Peters, or oh, who is who is the guy? Who's the who plays um in To Kill a Mockingbird? Who's the is Robert Mitchum? Oh no, Gregory Peck. Is Gregory Peck? That. Is that is that Brock is Peters? that Brock Peters? That might be Brock Peters. I think that's Brock Peters in there. Oh right, then you just get from Sidney Poitier to Brock Peters and right. Porgy and Bess. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's how you can go there. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Mitchum is one of those actors. Here, the, the funny thing is, every time I see Robert Mitchum, I really like him. I just don't like. I just can't put my finger on anything. That he he did, did a lot, except of, Cape Fear. That's on, which I mean. You see Cape Fear, you don't really need to see much else, yeah. Robert Mitchum, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because the rest of the time he kind of like sleepwalks, mm-hmm. but he's just got the presence. Yeah. Big dude. But uh yeah. In the face. Yeah. He's got that great face. Oh, that's right. Aaron Fry's reminded me of another Robert Mitchum great movie, Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter. Who's in Night of the Hunter with him? That's a good question. I can't even remember. But you know who directed Night of the Hunter? If I sit here long enough, I'll think of it because I like him. Charles, is that Stanley Kramer? No. Who? Charles Lawton, the actor. His one his one and only acting credit. And, I mean, directing and credit. And what happened to him? Did he drink himself to death or something? I think like, isn't this did. a sad story? With I thought there's something sad about Night of the Hunter. I, I, think, he, I, th- I think he did. I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. Did. Night of the Hunter is good. Yeah. Who's in that with him? That's a good question. Um, yeah, Robert Mitchum is is yeah. I can't I can't get to Robert Mitchum. Night of the Hunter without looking at is, his IMDb. Uh, like he's probably the biggest name besides Shelley Winters. Oh, and she- well, well, there you go. Because I can get to uh, Sydney Portier to Shelley Winters and Lillian Gish. I mean, you know, because um, Shelley Winters is with Sydney Portier in a patch of blue. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Sydney Portier, Shelly Winters, Robert Mitchum in Night of the Hunter. Okay. But, but yeah, I, I didn't even know. Yeah, I don't know who's. Yeah, that's a good movie. Night of the Hunter is good. Very good. Yeah. And Cape Fear is fantastic. Yeah. Charles Lawton, do you know who he was married to? I, I do not. He was married to Elsa Lanchester. I have no idea who that is. Elsa Lanchester was the bride of Frankenstein. Interesting. These are all fantastic films, and you know what they all have in common? <laughs> Ain't no black people in them. <laughs> so like you can enjoy them. This now we've circled on this what I'm talking about. Circle. This is what I'm talking about. I, like you said Robert Mitchum, and I thought Cape Fear, and I was like, wow, Cape Fear is good. And I was like, you don't have to worry about nothing. Nope. Ain't no black people Ain't in no Cape people Fear. In nope. Mrs. Mrs. Charlie, John, I bought your <laughs> newspaper. It's like, God damn. Ah, I was enjoying this so much. 
Hush up, meet these pancakes. Oh my God. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no black people in Night of the Hunter. Nope. Nope. No black people in Bride of Frankenstein. No black people in Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> nope. Just didn't just sit know? back, eat your popcorn, just watch. <laughs> Dr. Frankenstein, it sure is stormy outside. <laughs> oh my God. Ah. <sighs> I just watched my movie. <laughs> anyway, all right. That was fun. <laughs> Robert Mitchum is good. Man, Robert Mitchum is a good one. All right. All right. All right. Let's get into all our right. review, Vincent. Okay. Of Rosewood. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. of our lives and the blessings you've bestowed on us in home and family. In 1923, the black town of Rosewood was a land of opportunity. You've been drifting long, Mr. Man. Seemed like forever. Colored folks own all the land around here, all the businesses too. Man can make a new start around here, make something of himself. Until the day, one woman's false accusation. Tell me the truth. Was it truly a color done this to you? Unleashed a fury against their town. If you find him, well, you know what to do. There'd be some trouble around here, sir. To show you your help. There ain't no way in the world one man got enough bullets for all them crackers. And a search for the guilty became a hunt for the innocent. These are real folks dying. Women and children ain't done nothing wrong to no soul. Now, colored folk just can't be running all the time. There comes a time when you got to stand up and defend your rights. We're gonna make it. Trust me. Brothers presents from director John Singleton and producer John Peters the extraordinary story of how one town faced fear with courage, fought hate with dignity, and risked their lives to defend their home. John Voigt, Ving Rames, Michael Rooker, Esther Roll, Don Cheadle. We need to pray. Now, dear Lord. I ain't no praying move, preacher. Now, I was born and raised in Rosewood. This here's my home, and I'll be damned if I'm going to let anybody run me off it. Rosewood from 1997. Rosewood, Florida is a small, peaceful town with an almost entirely African-American population of middle-class homeowners. Until New Year's Day 1923, when a lynch mob from a neighboring white community storms the town. Among the carnage, music teacher Sylvester 
and mysterious stranger man. Stand tall against the invaders while white grocer John attempts to save the town's women and children. The film is based on the true story of the Rosewood Massacre, directed by John Singleton, with a script written by Gregory Poirier. I think it's Poirier. Poirier. Ving Rhames, Don Cheadle, John Voight, Esther Roll. Star in the fourth film from John Singleton. As we march towards 300, this was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, what do you have to say about 1997's Rosewood? Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, when I saw this movie back in 1997, this is a movie that really hit me very hard. And returning to this, and so much so that is one of those movies that I just knew I didn't need to see again, right? Mm-hmm. Um, not because it was not good, but because it was very, it, the, the anger that it incited in me for the needlessness of what was, of this incident that happened. And to be fair, I'm not even 100% sure when I watched it in 1997, if I was aware that it was a true story. Mm-hmm. Right. I think I think I maybe had an inkling of it, but because of some of the things that happened in the movie, I was like, oh, this obviously is like they kind of like went left with this. I don't think this is actually a true story. It was mm-hmm. like a little ambiguous, ambiguous to me. But this was a movie that in 1997 and even now watching it totally fakes me out. Because it's a film that opens up very idyllic, you know, time, um, idyllic scene, you know, these um this these um this black town, this town of 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 black people, self-sufficient, self-sustaining, um, building a life before themselves, living in in harmony, if not quite peace with their neighbors mm-hmm. in the town of Sumner uh, nearby. They're, they're cohabitating. They're mm-hmm. finding a way to right. like, because, because Harmony doesn't even do it. Right. They, they, they figured, they figured it, out. it out. Yeah. And, and it's a film that, you know, that lulls you in to uh, a, a little bit of a false sense of security as mm-hmm. smart films such as this do with you know the kids running around and you know being free and open with with play um there the you see some whites and blacks seemingly get along very you know well with one another two of them get along very well with one Mm. another you learn in the back of a grocery store um you have elise neal who is running around teaching the kids telling stories to the kids um esther roll mm. um who probably at this this time in her life is kind of like you know black hollywood's grandma you mm-hmm. know what the role that cicely tyson would soon age into um so it's a very very young Don Cheadle, mm-hmm. um, who I didn't even remember being in this film. 
you know, playing the piano, you know, uh, just uh, just safe in his own is his own security and in, in the life that they have built built for one another. Um, and then into town comes, you know, uh, Ving Rhames riding the you know, riding on a horse. He's, he's man. So while he looks like he stepped out of like, um, like this is almost like a black version of a Clint Eastwood movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. The way that he comes in there, like he's basically the man, what's left unsaid is the man with no name. Yeah. Cause yeah. it's just man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's complete with saddlebag on his, on his shoulder mm-hmm. with like, uh, Clint Eastwood wrote, uh, war in many of the spaghetti westerns, uh, Sergio Leone movies, um, and and typical of those films, Clint Eastwood would ride into town and he'd be he'd get find himself embroiled in either some feud be- between towns or factions fighting against one another, mm-hmm. and that's what happens with man as he comes into this town um, of seemingly upsetting the apple cart between the, the blacks and the whites. Um, But it it actually, he is not the culprit in this film. He is not the inciter inciter of the, the, um, the, the massacre that is about to be put on display in this film. It is in fact, our, our good old friend, Karen, a hmm. white woman who is the the lighter of the flame of what goes down in this movie and sets the whole town ablaze. Um, for those who don't know, the Rosewood Massacre, which took place in the early part of the 19, like 1920... 1923. 1923. Like, like actually like, when they right, say it. Yeah, right, right. New Year's Eve. Yeah, New Year's Eve. 1923. Yeah. This town in Florida of, of Rosewood um, that lived alongside Sumner, um, this, this white woman claimed that she was attacked by a black man in her, in her home. Yes. Um, she says she was not raped. Right. This story gets out as it, you know, Mm -hmm. as these stories, you know, do, it turns into that he attacked her into that. He beat the hell out of her and her raped her right in her home, uh, which causes the white people to all of a sudden, you know, you know, they just needed a reason. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah, and, yeah. And, because of the dynamic between the two towns, you're right? And that was just Rosewood the, was a very well-to-do black town, and they didn't like that. They Sumner was not like how how this black man got a piano. I ain't got a piano. Yeah, it's yeah. like like on that granular level that mm-hmm. they they were just looking for a reason. So they got their reason, and then they just went barnstorming for black people. And despite the the seemingly you know, um, prost- uh, protestations of the sheriff, the town mm-hmm. sheriff there, who he's a typical white sheriff, but he's trying to uphold the law in some way. But they don't. They mob mentality just takes over. And and just mob one one more over. detail: she was lying. Well, I'm about to get to okay. that. Okay, about right. to get to that. Yeah, yeah. It, it, she was 100% she was lying you learned you learned that she was lying it actually was a white man who yeah. she was having an affair with yeah who actually was the one who 
beat on her. Um, but for reasons that aren't really necessarily explained, she blames, she incites a riot uh, against the black people, the bl black people who have done nothing to her, black people who work very peacefully in her home. Um, so, but she just wants to screams out that a black man attacked her and the the town gets uproarious and now they're going looking for any and all black men to blame for what has happened. Look, either I got beat up by the white man that I was having an affair with or I got beat up by this strange black man who attacked me. Right, because to be fair, she does say it was a, a black man that attacked her. She can't identify right, right, him. Because right. she is beat up. Well, the, the, she's the white guy... She's going to explain that to her husband. The white guy yeah. beat her up. The white guy who, you know, spoiler alert, never is caught. Well, well, we, we can talk about the history, but go ahead. Um, well, as far as the movie goes. Yeah. Um. So... And the, and so so what you see is basically mob mentality, mob rule takes over mm -hmm. in this town, and they are going basically on uh, uh, a spree of catching people, catching black men, questioning them, not believing them, and then killing them either by gunshot mm -hmm. or by lynching. Some even by burning they are just terrorizing this entire town mm -hmm. right um and you have there is and there is no one who is standing up against this mob mentality no one you're left to believe that there, this mr wright who owns this grocery store played by john voight is kind of a, a, um trying to stand his ground and, and get these men these white men the, this this mob to to um come to their senses but he don't try very very hard mm -hmm. he's he is pretty much very muted being Rame's character, man, because he is new in the town and because they are just looking for anybody that they don't even recognize, he calls upon himself to like, yo, I know I was thinking about, uh, you know, um, setting roots here, buying some property, maybe, you know, starting a relationship and a family with somebody. Yo, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta get out of here because they looking for a reason to, to, to come after me. And even, you know, some of you, you black folks are ready to, put me up as a sacrificial lamb. So mm -hmm. I've, I've got to make myself scarce for a little bit. So he makes himself scarce for a good swatch of the movie in which there is just all recklessness and just, just ma maiming and murder and blood and guts and lynching and burnings of houses and, and, and children being terrorized and running into the running, having to hide in the swamps for days upon days and I'm probably not doing the story super justice, and I apologize for that. But that is because upon watching this film, I was taken back to 1997. I was incredibly enraged again. I tried to be as, um, you know, uh, tried to be as, you know, watch it 
with the most discerning eyes as possible. Mm-hmm. Sure. But it 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 just really, really was hard. Part of that is a triumph of the film as a movie. It's mm-hmm. a it's a well-made movie. You know, John Singleton, even by now, his fourth film is, you know, um matured as a filmmaker mm-hmm. and all of that is brought to bear in, in this film. Part of that is also because of the cast. Ving Rames, you can't take your eyes off of sure. him. He's mesmerizing. Um, John Voight is a very underrated actor, I found. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes he can be a little big, um, but he he is um, doing good work in this film. Um, you know, Michael Rooker, is is an incredible actor. Yeah. I, I I never don't like Michael Rooker and what he does, even mm-hmm. if I don't like his character. Yeah. And I don't one hundred percent like his character, but I like that his character is right there in the world of gray. He's he's a bit of a he's got some tendencies, racial stuff with him as well. But sure. he's also trying to be a lawman as well as 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 well. As far as law is exercised in Florida in early 1920s mm-hmm. uh, America. Um, so it's a well-made film. And because of that, you know, like we've always said, the better the film is made, you you forgive certain things. You, you, you can just focus on the story. Mm-hmm. And then in focusing on the story, this film just like just got me super heated because it's, I mean... You hate to say that it's a story as old as t- old as time. I mean, you know, not thirty years after this is Emmett Till, which is a, 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 along the lines of the same story. Sure, you know. Sure, um, but it it's it really is a very traumatic film to for me to watch, especially learning that so much of this film is accurate to yeah. the tale. Yeah. Oh, it, yeah. This is like spot on for the most part what happened. Ving Rhames character is is fictitious, but outside outside of him yeah. and some of the things, some of the especially near the end, superhuman things that he does yeah. in this movie. Everything else is pretty much very accurate. And I'm riding along with this film. As we mentioned at the top, it's two hours and 20 minutes. An argument can be made. This movie doesn't need to be two hours and 20 minutes. But I'm still kind of in there a little bit, even though I'm feeling like, oh, this length, it's maybe a little bit of like kind of torture porn, you know, because it's so long. And and like like every moment you think there's going to be some daylight you're going to you can lift your head up a little bit then somebody else gets gets killed look this Uh, went on for three days you know every time you think john voight has come to his senses and he's kind of he's hiding out people in his house Mm -hmm. it's like okay this person is going to be safe next thing you know john voight is making the dumbest deal in america and saying like okay y'all can just question the guy and we all know how that's going to end um and all of this is like you said, it's it's spot on. It's it's accurate to to a T. But I'm still work there. I'm I'm invested in the movie. I'm feeling it. And then at the end of the movie, 
something happens, which from what I understand is very fictitious, mm -hmm. and makes absolutely no sense in this movie. And which part is that? Don Cheadle's character, Sylvester, mm -hmm. it's Sylvester Carrier, who's a very proud man. It's kind yeah. of like, like the, like he's like the, not quite the patriarch, but by happenstance, the patriarch of right, this right. town. Mm -hmm. And he's staunch and, you know, watches over everybody. And, and because it's a close knit town, it's one of those towns where everybody's everybody's cousin. Yeah. 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 And he's like head cousin. Right. And he's the he's the one who you know like respectfully will still dig in a white person's ass a little bit. Yeah, yeah, according you know to the history, I mean? yeah. Um, because he knows his place, he knows what line not to cross over. Right. And he's the one that's kind of like, yo, man, ain't nothing happening here. We ain't none of us touch this woman. We are led to believe that he is killed. Yes. Early on in this movie. Yes very early on, burnt up in a house. Yes. And then at the end of the film... Yeah, that's right. Sylvester comes riding out... Yes. ...of the swamps... Yes. ...on Ving Rhames' horse. Yes. He's, he's on his horse. Okay, he's on, on Ving Rhames' horse. horse. Okay. Catching up to a tree... I mean, to to a train where everybody is has gotten on, this train that is, is rescuing everybody spot on true to the story sylvester comes riding out of, on a horse and meets up with ving rames mm -hmm. character man who says okay me and me and sylvester we're gonna go but y'all be safe y'all go and do y'all right we'll meet up with you'll we'll meet up with y'all so ving rames gets off the off the train and then him and Don Cheadle go off on their own. Go off on their own to meet them later in Gainesville. To meet them later, why did they just stay on the train? First of all, well, remember where do, where does Sylvester come out? Of, we're not explained they, how he got. They out of actually the say, well, he did, he did explain. Right, how he they got say out of the that the only thing that the only um people that could be on the train were, were women and children. They say that, that was part of the deal with the dudes who have the train. Yes. Well, but th that is, that's a, according to the historical text. That's yeah. not, that's not actually said in the movie. Now, no, they do because remember, they, well, John Boyce says yeah. it, John Boyce, because as the train is going on, the train, which has come to the rescue of the women and children, right? John and, and John Boyce got the, got the, the train there. Um, all of these black men who have been hiding in the swamp for these right. three days come running out trying to catch the train and john boyd does say no you can't get on the train because right. then they'll 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 murder everyone they'll on mur the train. Murder everybody yeah. on the train so yes i guess all right you're right they do say that yeah they do say that um but i like all of a sudden magical sylvester coming running running riding out on the I horse have a theory about that well i don't know what your theory is because that's not that's not true to the text well that's not true to the it's, text. It's not true according to the official history. That's not true. According to the official to... history, he died in the house. Yeah, and I and it didn't take me out of the movie because sure. it very much is right at the end of the movie. Sure. Um, but it does seem like it comes it's out stretch, of nowhere. It's stretch credibility. If I'm the saying credibility, credibility. It. Yeah. It, it's it stretches it a little bit for me. Um. But the one thing I will say uh, that kind of still wrote me back in is that 
what I liked, and I I I likened Ving Rhames' character man to the Clint Eastwood man with no name in the spaghetti westerns. Mm-hmm. What I liked is that he's not that man. Mm-hmm. He's not like coming in and all of a sudden the best in town, killing everybody. He doesn't like you know, um, like he doesn't like rescue the world, come sure. to the rescue with guns a blazing. Sure, he rescues the women and children. He saves the women and children, but by getting them away, right? Not by killing all of the white people, or right. even like I think he don't really kill any white person. No, no, on the train he shoots a couple. Oh, of people, well, on the yeah, train, but, but I mean, but, like yeah. you don't see like some big, yeah, moment of him shooting. Like, sure. So I kind of appreciated that because, despite how mythical his character is and superhuman at times, mm-hmm. um, there still is a, a little groundness of reality to his character. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated. I did uh, land on appreciating that. Um. But this is again a hard film. It was a hard film me, for me to watch. I appreciate this exercise because it made me watch this film. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came away, despite its length, despite a little bit of nitpicks. I gotta recommend Rosewood. Mm-hmm. I have to say, I, I think if there's one filmmaker that I've really enjoyed re-evaluating on our journey, it has been John Singleton. Mm-hmm. I historically have been underwhelmed by John Singleton. Oh, really? But this is the third film that we've talked about by him. Um, Poetic Justice. Mm-hmm. Higher Learning. Higher Learning. And now this, where looking at him through Michelle Mission eyes, I have really appreciated his work. Mm-hmm. I think this is a film that um, paradoxically in many ways is too short and too long. Hmm. I think it's, I think it's long. I think it's a long film and, and you know, that the two hours and 24 minutes, regardless of the difficulty of the subject matter, mm-hmm. I do think that there are large parts of this film that are unnecessary. Yeah. The main part being Ving Rhames' entire character. Like, I understand the instinct. When you read interviews with with John Singleton, when you read interviews with the, the screenwriter, Bruce... Greg Poirier? Greg Poirier. The, the strategy was... Which, which you absolutely identify like it's a difficult subject it's it's a difficult story mm-hmm. it doesn't really have a through line mm-hmm. so we're going to create this clint eastwood man with no name type character um there's a direct quote from singleton where he said the film needed a mooring right and i understand the instinct but for me the the irony is that that was the weakest part of the story because this this is a a really fascinating story and one of the things that i really admire about the way john singleton made this is the level and depth of research Mm -hmm. that went into it in the details 
and you know details like 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 we said this woman who says she was attacked and she's lying because she's been having this affair with this man the whole thing kind of gets smooth like the reason black people get pulled into it besides the fact that she lies on a black man is he's a mason oh that's yeah that's an important point and he goes to some black masons Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. in rosewood and they kind of help him get out but it's like like that little detail the detail of of don Cheadle's character Mm -hmm. sam carrier who apparently was this very proud man who you know they call he's the music teacher uh he has his family he he really does kind of stand up to to the 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 white people in this community in sumner Mm -hmm. which is the town over and and as you mentioned there is tension right between this town which again this you're talking about emmett till this is two years after black wall street I, I, you know, I, I meant to look that up. Like, where does this stand? And there are dozens of these stories mm-hmm. of these black towns mm-hmm. that are doing very well, and then the white community around them is jealous, and for made up reasons or misunderstandings, how you want to do it, they burn down the town. Mm-hmm. And and I think the film does a wonderful job showing how these things snowball. Mm-hmm. and get out of control and 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 how this isn't some quote unquote bad actors yeah these are regular people and they treated lynchings like entertainment and and there is this almost carnival feel where whites are coming from out of town there's a wonderful scene where they've lynched a man and burned his body and people are taking pictures yeah in front of it like and you see people, you know, raising their children. People are in this. I, I love the way children are centered mm-hmm. where the white community is, is, you know, there's so many instances where these white people are taking their kids mm-hmm. and telling them this is the way it has to be. And this is the way it should be this, that, and the other. And the way the children of Rosewood are centered, mm-hmm. because frankly, the firsthand accounts that we have, most of them come from the kids, yeah, the, who have grown survivors, up, yeah. Which put a pin in that. So, I like that part of it, and I wish there would, like, I wish, frankly, Don Cheadle's character would have been the star because I think that that man, historically, and the men of Rosewood, like, I don't think there was enough of the men because apparently yeah. there was a fight. Like, it wasn't just Don Cheadle in man protecting these kids. Like, the men of this town really orchestrated the children escaping or mm. getting to this train where, you know, these two rich white men had a train, which apparently was a thing. Like, mo- <laughs> like there's moments after moment after moment in this film. Like, I text you and I said, okay, this just sounds ridiculous. But then you look it up. It's the real deal. And it actually happens. So... As a movie, I thought it was too long. But what I really want was like a four-part documentary. See, yes, yeah, about that's what you want. Rosewood and about this story and about the journey mm-hmm. to our learning about Rosewood because mm. this was something that was buried. This yeah. was something that it only really comes came to light in the, I think eighty two. Yeah, eighty two. The survivors. 
scattered throughout the the, the country. Mm-hmm. They never spoke of it. It was sort of whispered about, mm-hmm. but no one ever talked about it. But you get the sense that John Singleton and um and and I'm going to pull up his name because 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 he was a large part of of this research um Gregory Poirier like they went and they interviewed people who were survivors and they interviewed mm-hmm. and they got all of this wonderful information about it so that it ends up I I think the 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 Rosewood survivors may be the only black people who got reparations because of something like this that has occurred and frankly everything that we all enjoyed two years ago with Watchmen and in a Lovecraft country where they talk about Tulsa and 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 Black Wall Street in a lot of ways Rosewood is kind of the foundation for that yeah yeah and I have to say my read about Sylvester, like you want to know what I what I came away believing. Just yeah, what's know, his theory? This is my theory. Mm-hmm. You know, just sort of knowing black people. <laughs> you know, frankly, my family's from the south, and we have some stories in my own family. I'm sure. I think he escaped. Well, he says he escaped. No, 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 no. But according to the history, he burned up in the house. Right. According uh, to the history, he died in the house. Right. I think when they did the research and they talked to the survivors, I think he got away. And I think he changed his name because they said they they all scattered. They all kind of, you know, put together brand new lives. And I like to believe that he, because he did kill two white men. Yeah, see, here's the thing. Interesting theory. The only reason I don't buy it is because, like you said, the history shows that, or at least indicates that the character as portrayed by Don Cheeto in this movie Mm -hmm. is very true to the man. Right. And I don't see, I, I can see that man escaping. Mm -hmm. I can see that man maybe even changing his name. Mm -hmm. I don't see that man disconnecting from his family. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I think he probably took his family with him. No, I mean, like the kids. I mean, they, and, all, well, all of those kids were his family. No, 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 no. Oh, I thought you were saying. Kids. I thought you were saying your theory was that he escaped. No, and then, no, no. Right, right. I'm saying he resettled with his family. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then all changed right. his name and lived his life. It's interesting that you talked about how you almost want the four hour documentary, and I don't know if I could sit through a four hour documentary of this, but. Um, well, let me just say this. Two of the episodes would be the journalist going and 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 researching the story. Okay. Yeah. Like like putting it together. Putting it together. Um, but it's it's interesting when when I was watching this, and especially knowing that the man character was fictitious, mm-hmm. and like I said, he does I'm <laughs> I cannot overstate the superhuman <laughs> things that he the man does at the end of this movie he survives a lynching with the power of his neck muscles the power of his neck and Ving Rhames to be fair <laughs> has a mighty neck that's, that's, that's a mighty neck 
but there was almost a part, especially like right around that moment, where I wish that John Singleton had unlocked his inner Quentin Tarantino yeah, and just went Django. Look, I was about to say, if there's no man, there's no Django. Like I'm talking about the mm-hmm. Black Wall Street stuff that we have, but in a lot of ways, this is almost like yeah, a like, rough draft I'm, I'm waiting, of Django. I'm waiting for the Django moment. Yeah. Like I'm, as I'm watching this, I'm waiting, because honestly, in my mind, I thought I remembered him having like a Django moment, yeah. you know? So when Sylvester came up at the end, you know, there's part of me was like, oh, how he come here? It was like, oh, they're going to go back. Right. And now's the Django moment. Well, and and, and it, it doesn't happen. Well, according to Bruce Poirier, Gregory Poirier, I'm sorry, Gregory Poirier, the plan was to make it more like that. But after they started interviewing, the survivors mm-hmm. who you know a lot of them had kept this a secret oh yeah no, like no, it no, really no, no, was no. only after the 80s where um you know frankly let's 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 call his name because this is like this was a good dude the the guy who actually um the guy who actually did the first story oh would that be um you said in the 80s Gary Moore. Right. Gary Moore from the St. Petersburg time in 1982 mm-hmm. is the one who really started the ball rolling. Right. And, and investigating. But re- it really was until then, the survivors didn't talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think um, when John Singleton and, and Greg Poirier went and spoke to him, like John Singleton said, you know, I, you know, basically the man character would be more of of a presence but he said he really wanted to honor the survivor's stories yeah and 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 basically keep man in his position mhm mm. so i think that's well, and, why and i can't and i can't knock that and you instinct. can't you can't knock it you no, can't i can't I, I mean again i really really admire the moves Mm-hmm. That John, you know something else that I, I liked a lot. As bad and graphic as some of these scenes are, they are very graphic. A lot of the violence happens off screen. Really, a lot. Mm. When um, when um, you I'm you got her, a I'm, weird sense of violence, man. I'm calling her Florida Evans. When um, that's the role. When Esterol gets shot, we don't see her get shot. Okay, we don't see her get shot. True. Uh, when his cousin, who was having the quote unquote affair with John Voight, yes, when she's found dead, we don't see her get murdered. No. We don't see the vast majority of the murders of black people in that town. Uh, Like when the children come back and see, like it's always after it has happened. Yeah, but but we... We don't see the children get killed because remember there's a moment where they have the mass grave, which an eyewitness says that they saw. Even though though the the, the historical record says there's only eight people there. Right, but an eyewitness says, and I think one of the white eyewitnesses, I think that little boy... Mm who's portrayed by that uh, actor, he says there are kids in that grave. Yeah, right. So, right. 
it could have been worse. It could have been worse, but like easily, it could have been worse. No, true. It could have been. It could have been worse. But the graphic, the the violence that we do see, which is significant. I'm sorry. I'll push back. It is, no, no, it's no. It's significant, but it's not. It's gra- It's graphic, dog. Yeah. There is a there is a man that is uh 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 like he has a noose around his neck and they're they're playfully uh, pulling at it. They beat this one dude. The the blacksmith, yeah. they they beat him so bad that his eye is damn near like we actually don't see him beat him though. We don't see it. Okay, all right, you don't see him beat him, but you you, you do see him get shot. You see the aftermath. And you see the aftermath of him getting beat, and I don't know if we see him get shot. No, well, we it's, 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 it's no, you see it. It's a far off shot. Yeah, it's it's it's. I'm telling you, I think. John Singleton handles and you this. see him you see him get um hung who that guy you they don't you do not you do not see him no get hung. that's right you see him in the tree right you, I, I don't know this and then you, and then there's images of people in trees man yeah hurt. I mean look I think it's a fine line mm. where you have to honor what happened but at the same time I push back against torture porn. Like I think there are, no, I, I think there are depictions that have been torture porn. Yeah, and I don't count this as 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 that. And 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 that's fair. That's fair. And I do think John Singleton makes deliberate choices in that. Okay. So I just wanted to give credit where credit is due because because you know it's a it's a tough film. Yeah, it's, it's a tough film. Where it's tough, man. <laughs> but you would recommend it? I would recommend it. I mean, it only takes one time, but I would I would recommend this film. Um don't watch it. What's that? There's this show. Don't watch it too soon after there's a show on ABC, Woman of the Movement. Which is about the story of yeah. like Emmett Till, which, ooh, ooh. yeah, don't watch it after. Don't don't watch that. Don't don't do a double bill of that. Look, it's it's. This is always the challenge. This is always the challenge. I mean, you always you know you never never forget. You always want to commemorate. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things you have to say about Rosa, like you said, I think many of us in 1997 didn't know that this was like many of us learned about Rosewood right there because of this film. Yep. Just like many of us learned about black wall street after Watchmen. Mm -hmm. So you always have to give credit for these texts that put that shine a light on what has happened, especially when it's been deliberately buried. Yeah. Like, like when I said I wanted the four part documentary, like I actually want Spike Lee or an investigative reporter to investigate all of the ways this story was buried mm-hmm. for so many years, mm-hmm. because that's fascinating. But, but it, it, but then you also have to protect your peace. I know because right? it's a tough movie. It's a tough film, and and you're talking about how idyllic it was in the beginning. I, I think 
something I something else I admire about the filmmaking aspect of it. There's an ominous tone even then from the very beginning, even like then. from the yeah. very beginning, you can tell this place is just dry tenders. Like it's just waiting mm-hmm. for a spark. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, it's one of those things and it's, it's, it's movie language. It's an idyllic setting, but then the Chiron comes up that this is December 31st, 1923. Right. Or 22, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and I think it even comes up with like the time of day. Right. Which is a telltale sign that, oh, yeah, we're counting down. We're to counting down to something. We're counting down to something. Yeah. You know? As you said, the 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 white characters. There are no white savior characters. Mm-mm. Yeah, because yeah, because I'm. How did you feel about Mister Wright, John Voight's? I love the. I loved how mercenary he was in his dealings. Like I love the fact that that when when he hides the one man who owns the the property, the land that the he land, wants. he tells him, you know, basically, I'll hide you. But we're going to have to talk about that land that you have for yeah, sale. Yeah, we'll talk about that deed. That deed later. And man calls him out for that. Mm-hmm. You know, how much does it cost for you to protect us? And then, uh, fortunately, his wife calls him out for that as well. Right. But that doesn't mean that he won't still be counting how many bullets right. that he's selling to Look, the I white think, people. I, I think, I think the white people in this film are fascinating because you can tell that you, you know they're just sort of small regular people who make these choices that lead to all this death and devastation but i like that like we've talked about that before in films like the well mm-hmm. or 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 mm-hmm. or oh, or, yeah. or mudbound yeah like this notion that the clan is just sitting in the legion of doom headquarters in the just swamp wait. and they come up and do clan stuff. Yep. That's not who does this. Mm-hmm. It's a woman trying to hide the fact that she's having an affair. Mm-hmm. It's a sheriff who don't mind lynching a couple of niggas if you don't burn my city, if you don't burn my town down. Mm-hmm. It's a shopkeeper who's trying to figure out how to get some property. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is this is who these are the linchpins of these type of situations. Would you recommend people see this film? I would, I would recommend people see watch this film. It's and it, it's it's. I know this is wildly inappropriate and wildly out of um, out of nowhere almost. You ever see that episode of South Park about um Scientology? I think they've done a few of them. About yeah, Scientology. but like the first one where they actually With Tom talk, Cruise, right? But they talk about what Scientologists believe. Yeah, yeah. And every now and then somebody pops up on the screen and says, "This is actually what yeah. they believe." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My best part of this experience, right? Like right, right when I text you, is I was watching it and doing research on Rosewood at the same time, mm-hmm. and there are so many details of this film that seem like it's bizarre right? or seem like they made it up for the film. And then you read it in it. But this is what actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, I would, I would recommend watching the film, but then I would also recommend reading about 
Rosewood mm-hmm. and what happened yeah. over this series of days. Yeah. And yes, I have decided that Sylvester got away. Like he actually did get away. And that is part of the oral history that John Singleton and um why do I keep forgetting his name? The the writer? Yeah. Gregory Poirier. And Gregory Poirier found out when they were interviewing people. Yeah. So, but yeah, I would recommend it. All right. All right. Uh, Orphan Pixel says, I remember seeing this post hard boiled. And when I saw those two uh, 1911s, mm. I was expecting being the cut loose. Yeah. With some Wu style action. Yeah. I remember it was a bit of a bait and switch because I think that um, that shot was in the commercial. Yes. Right. And it, it led you it to set believe. You up. It led you to believe that he was. And then you don't even see him shoot the guns i don't think he even shoots those guns yeah no he he shoots them but you don't see them right right and then you see the people he was shooting at come running out so it's not like he even hit them that's another moment where he cuts away i'm telling you yeah yeah and orphan pixel even says as an adult i appreciate the restraint yeah so there you go all right so that is rosewood ladies and gentlemen yes um before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week, and this is a good one, as um, if you haven't figured it out, as we near the end, get closer to three hundred, we are, we are, man, we are this top shelf stuff. Oh yeah, the rest of the way, are we sitting in hot cotton. Yes. Um, before we tell you what we're going to be watching next week, I invite you all to uh, check out the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. Go to MichelleMission.com, our website. We can hit swag and check out all the cool designs and gifts that are available to you from our good friends at T Public. You want to uh, let us know what's on your mind and, you know, you don't want to call us on a voicemail <laughs> feel free to email us at michellemission at gmail.com you can also like and follow us on social media instagram facebook and twitter at michellemission subscribe on youtube and twitch at michellemission which is a proud member of the podglomerate thepodglomerate.com they make podcast work mm. all right Next week, Vincent. Yes. We are going to that year of 1978. All right. Now, technically, this is your choice yes. for the Michelle Mission, but this is a movie that this so happened to have been on both of our lists. Yes. When we were making our list um, for this road. And the time has come. The time has come. For us to finally sit down mm-hmm. and watch Killer of sheep killer of sheep the time has come 1978 next week here yes sir on the michaud mission yes sir very very much looking forward and trained for this oh yeah this is i mean i mean you look this is the one all right this is this is this is one of the ones all right all right all right until then he's vincent I'm Len, and in parting we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again.